0: Only one person's values and priorities really matter at the end of life. The person who's dying.
1: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. To support the work we do, please visit the Contribute tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, just a quick note that this episode deals very frankly and honestly with death. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from the Tom Hartman program, The Young Turks, a couple of clips from the documentary How to Die in Oregon, The National from the CBC, and a TED Talk by the president of Compassion and Choices, Barbara Coombs-Lee.
2: Barbara Coombs-Lee is with us. She is an activist for uh... The, compassion and choices is the organization compassion and and choices dot org is the website and uh... We're, this is not just about Brittany made britney maynard, uh, maynard maynard is the name of the young woman who is uh, apparently going to take her life this weekend barbara welcome to the program
3: thank you tom i'm happy to be here
2: thanks for joining us um... first of all give us a snapshot of of britney maynard who she is why why she at the age of twenty nine is gonna check out.
3: Um, Brittany Maynard is a truly remarkable young woman. Um, I want to clarify first that she hasn't set a date in stone and she's made it clear that um, she wants to see how her illness progresses and how severe her symptoms are. So if November 1st comes and she's feeling pretty good, um, that won't be the the day that she dies, but she does have the means to abbreviate her dying process. Um, she derives enormous comfort from that, and she will wait until the last possible minute that she believes she can in order to assure a peaceful death for herself and as, um, as little trauma as possible for her family. Um, she is, as I said, a remarkable, remarkable woman who has captured the imagination of the world one of the most remarkable things about her is how voracious she is in the acquisition of information and she was like that from the moment she received a diagnosis of brain cancer um she was not one of these people who goes to the doctor and listens to what he or she says and and just accepts that she She went out on her own, did an enormous amount of research on her cancer, on the treatments for her cancer, on the progression, on the natural course of the illness. And she faced those things with unblinking uh, fortitude and directness. So she knew exactly when and why and how there were no treatments that would um, be likely to prolong her life, certainly no treatments that would improve the quality of her life, and what the um, side effects of the treatments that were offered were, and what the natural course of her illness uh, would be what kinds of symptoms, what kinds of suffering and agonies it would visit upon her before it took her life. Those are questions that you know the vast majority of us do not have the fortitude and the courage, quite frankly, um, to ask.
2: It's it's pretty profound stuff. I th- the point that you made at the very beginning is in this whole uh, the death with dignity movement and the law that was passed in Oregon. Is I think pivotal. I I was living in Oregon when that law was passed. I was doing uh, this radio show, and I we yeah, and we had a number of people on the program who uh, who were either enrolled essentially, you know, they had they were they were within six months of dying, or who were working with people who were, and one of the one of the really consistent threads that really surprised me was that a lot of people when they know that they're facing a terminal illness and they're starting to get into the really excruciatingly painful part of of a of a horrible dying process from one of these illnesses a lot of them panic and basically grab a gun and blow their brains all over the wall i you know and 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 there's and it's done in secret and it's done with shame and it's done in hiding and if any family member is involved with it they could be prosecuted and all these kinds of things and what the people who had this medication, where you just, you know, you drink a bottle of this stuff and it's barbiturates and you just go to sleep and that's the end of it. What they said, and the stories that I heard, was that they tended to last longer than people who didn't have this option. And I think that's that,
3: absolutely true. Um, and there's research to back it up. I think it's common knowledge that... Uh, People can endure a greater um, amount of pain if they control it themselves. Right. <laughs> you know, the power of our own, uh, our, our controlling our own destiny, it, it's, it's an enormous power and people, the quality of their lives changes. When they have the medication in their hand or even in the prescription and they know that they have the means to avoid their worst nightmare. That's what happened um, to Brittany and she talks about it on her video. She says, I can't describe how meaningful and how comforting it is to know <clears throat> that I don't have to suffer through the very worst of this disease.
2: Right. And so what what, this, what these death of dignity do, laws do ultimately is, in many cases, they actually reduce the number, the percentage of people who end up committing suicide. A lot of folks died of natural causes with the prescription sitting right next to them on the bed, or some did. Right. And, and, go ahead.
3: Right, well, you know, people, people are dying. Just because sure. their uh, aid in dying is authorized in your state doesn't affect how many people are dying. <laughs> yeah. But it does affect how many people die peacefully and it also as you said, it affects how many people die prematurely and fewer people die prematurely because they do not have to act while they still have the wherewithal to do what people do and it's tragic what people do they jump from balconies they kneel in front of trains, they do use guns Um, and they do it because they society has denied them a more peaceful, humane option when society grants them an option that is peaceful, that is a medical practice well then they can wait they can wait until the very last possible moment they can eke out the joy and the delights of every day of life until they absolutely are close to the end and then they can take their medication
2: yeah Yeah. it's an extraordinary thing what uh, how many states have laws like oregon does and how many are considering them and what's happening on the pushback front we have about two and a half minutes left
3: um, five states authorize uh, aid in dying one way or another. Oregon and Washington state have similar laws. The Montana Supreme Court has said that there's no public policy or codified law against aid in dying, and therefore it can be pursued as a medical practice. Vermont has a law kind of like Oregon's and Washington's, but with uh, the reporting practices that um, expire after three years. And a district court in New Mexico has conferred constitutional protection under the state constitution's privacy provisions. So we have essentially five states, one way or another, where aid in dying is authorized. Mm -hmm. The legislatures in Connecticut, New Jersey... Massachusetts, probably Colorado, depending on the outcome of the election in a few days, Um, and of course, California. There's a very vigorous campaign in California. But I think, you know, Brittany Menard is a game changer. She has raised awareness uh, among people who never thought this was an issue that affected them. All of a sudden, yes, it affects me, uh, me, people like Brittany Menard, or who have daughters like Brittany Menard, or friends like Brittany Menard, and it could affect me. So, uh, so many more people are aware of the issues and aware, that the profound questions of agency, dominion, I know, whose life is it anyway, um, those are at issue here, and I want to weigh in.
2: Is most of the pushback against this basically coming from uh, people with religious objections? I, I know the Catholic Church is opposed to this.
3: The Catholic Church is opposed to it, and I, but I want to make the distinction between Catholic people and the Catholic hierarchy um, because polling indicates that people of the Catholic faith are as supportive of aid and dying as everyone else is, right. but there is a Catholic doctrine that says it is never permissible to um, to initiate or intend your own death, and so that that means that it you know is it, it, a violation of doctrine. Um, that's the that is the the institutional support or opposition. Um, far and away, the greatest institutional opposition comes from the Catholic Church and conservative religious forces like um, you know, uh, right to life. Very
2: interesting, Barbara Coombsley, Lee. You can read all about it at compassionandchoices.org. Compassion, Barbara, thanks for dropping by today.
3: And the Brittany fund.org Thank you so much, John.
2: The Brittany Fund? How do you spell Brittany?
3: The B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y Fund.org.
2: Great. Thank you, Barbara. Thank Good you talking. Bye. We'll be back.
4: 9 year old Brittany Maynard was diagnosed with an aggressive form of brain cancer back in January of this year. And recently, she decided to move to the state of Oregon and take her own life uh, due to a law that they have there called the Death with Dignity Act. Now, of course, this is not something that's available in all states, which is why she moved to Oregon. But she decided to take matters into her own hands after she realized this is a terminal illness. I don't want to watch my body completely deteriorate and then die on on some bed in some hospital. So this has been a very, very controversial issue. People disagreed with it. However, her husband and her family seemed to support her. Here's what she had to say uh, in a post. She said, goodbye to all my dear friends and family that I love. Today is the day I have chosen to pass away with dignity In the face of my terminal illness, the world is a beautiful place. Travel has been my greatest teacher. My close friends and folks are the greatest givers. Goodbye, world. Spread good energy. Pay it forward.
5: So this is a powerful case. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's her choice, right? So as I read that, I I can't help but think I might have made a different choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I always think like, I'd be like, let me wait. One more day, right? Let me eat something else. Let me watch something else. Let me share another moment with my friends and family. But I don't know the pain she was in.
4: You don't. And I, I did find a video that she made to kind of give you guys a sense of what she went through. This is kind of a longer clip, but it, it really gives you a sense of what she was dealing with. So take a look at it.
6: Most recently, my most terrifying set of seizures was about a week or so ago. I had two in a day, which is unusual. And I remember looking at my husband's face at one point and thinking, I know this is my husband, but I can't say his name. And um, ended up going to the hospital for that one. It's a weird feeling to wake up every day and be in my body because it feels so different than it did just a year ago. To be perfectly candid, in the last three months, I've gained over 25 pounds and over nothing I've put in my mouth except for prescription medications. I don't like being photographed. I don't like being filmed. And I I don't like spending a lot of time looking in the mirror. And I'm not full of self-hate or loathing. It's just that my body has changed so quickly. You really kind of stop recognizing yourself in a way. And that's very personal. I think sometimes people look at me and they think, Well, you don't look as sick as you say that you are. Um, Which hurts to hear because when I'm having a seizure and I can't speak afterwards, I certainly feel as sick as I am.
5: Okay. Now, it's inoperable. So the end is clear, right? The only question is when and under what circumstances. So what choices I would have made is in. Entirely irrelevant. I mean, the bottom line is, do we live in a free country or don't we? Do you believe in liberty or don't you? So, what right would I have to tell her what to do? You
4: and, have no right.
5: And, and why? Why, why would what I think matter to her? I mean, are, are we really as a country saying, and apparently we are in most of the states that we live in, that's why she had to move to Oregon, mm-hmm. that I don't care what you want to do with your life. You have to live by my rules, yeah. right? Because you're not hurting anyone, it's just you, right? It's the most obvious case of liberty you can possibly have. What do you do with your own life that does not affect anyone else? You're not hurting anyone else, and and you know why they don't allow her to do it in most states?
4: It's religion. It's
5: religion. Yeah. It's because oh my my sky God says you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Oh my God, why would I care? Yeah. Why would I care what your sky god says?
4: Yeah, I I think that this is the most personal decision anyone could ever make. And if you have a terminal illness and you see your body deteriorating, your health deteriorating, who is the state and who is any political party or any person of authority to tell you, oh, this is your life, but we're going to make a decision as to whether or not you can take your own life? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's there's something really sick about that. And for anyone out there who preaches, especially right-wingers, right, the ones that preach the most about liberty and, you know, individual liberty, if you genuinely believe in that, then you should be supportive of laws like this that allow people to get that prescription medication when they're terminally ill to take their own lives when they're ready for it. You know, it's not like... It's not like some healthy 28-year-old like me is going to go to the doctor and be like, hey, yo, what's up? I'm having a tough time in life. Can you give me that drug? I'm ready to go. You know, but it's, it's, hey, I have a terminal illness. My life is falling apart. I don't want to die on a hospital bed. I want to die on my terms.
5: Some might consider this to be the most irrelevant law there is because if I decide to kill myself, what are you going to do? Arrest me after I die? Right. Good luck to your brother, okay? But it's actually not that simple because a lot of times you need help. Otherwise... You're going to have to use a gun yeah. or some horrible way of trying to die. Oftentimes, people shoot themselves, but shoot themselves in the head, and the bullet goes in and out. and makes the situation worse. And then that leads to just chaos and even more pain and just the exact opposite of what you want. This is a humane way to do it, where you get to choose, and you get to do it with dignity. Yeah. If you're against this, I, I really, I think you're un-American. I, I know it's a strong thing to say. The right wing usually says that, etc. But you're... Uh, person who is more into a theocracy where one religion rules us all but america is based on the idea that we don't have a state religion and that we believe in the core of liberty which is what this is that you get to do with what you want with your life
4: and that's what she said she told uh, cnn i'm not suicidal i do not want to die but i am dying and i want to die on my own terms that's liberty you know and and you're right i would much rather have it work in that way than to have her take her own life in in a riskier way or an inhumane way just to give you a really quick example um A few years ago, there was a woman who was selling suicide kits on eBay. I remember doing this story. It was one of the more memorable stories that we did. And I felt really sick about it because this woman was profiting off of selling a kit that people would utilize to kill themselves. But then I realized that there was a market for it because the majority of these people live in states where if they are terminally ill, they don't have that option, right? And the suicide kit was something that would help them, like, asphyxiate themselves. It it came with a bad... I mean, it was terrible, right? It just made me feel horrible. But to know that there is a drug out there that someone can take and and they they go peacefully, I mean, for you to be against that when someone is suffering and they're terminally ill, I just, I don't understand that kind of reasoning or logic.
5: And you know us. We're not radical libertarians, right? So I think there, of course, has got to be important rules around it. But if if you don't allow for it, it allows for the quacks to come in place and take advantage of desperate people. Uh, And provide desperate measures, and that doesn't help anybody. And if somebody wants to take their life, they're gonna do it, the only question is how.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by the Dollar Shave Club. DollarShaveClub.com delivers their razors right to your door for a third of the price of what the Greedy Razor Corporation's charge, which means you can shave with a fresh blade anytime you want. They also have great shaving products like Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, which is not your average shaving cream. It's a unique conditioning formula with high-quality natural ingredients, leaving your skin unbelievably soft and smooth. So when you use their Executive Razor with their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, the blade just gently glides for the smoothest shave ever. Now's a great time to join Dollar Shave Club new members who buy a tube of shave butter get a month of their executive razor blades for free. So take advantage of the special offer today. It's available by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash best. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash best. T said, I know you're...
7: But if you aren't struggling for you, would you struggle for me? And of, of course I would if they thought there were a real chance. But there's not. Uh-oh. Thank
8: you. Thank you, too.
4: It still feels kind of like... uh you give up when you don't try everything out there. But I still think that's the it's the rational and I, I think the right thing to do to not, not try and seek every option because 95% she's only gonna gain uh, two or three months. That's a lot of extra pain. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and a lot of extra cost.
7: This is not a good idea idea was this I know it's hard for them, but they're great. Beautiful. Beautiful. I know they'll be fine. I've written them letters. So I'm thinking about that's that's the other wonderful thing about this death with dignity. It's it gives me a chance to think about how I want to leave things with them at the end. the the images. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) One month we had $100.
8: There are moments where she is so ready to go. She doesn't like being sick. And then there are the days when she's, you know,
7: healthy and grateful to be alive. I'm not gonna die with the fluid oozing out of my pores in my legs. I'm not gonna weigh 200 pounds again. I'm not gonna lose my hair again. I am not gonna be humiliated with losing control of my bodily functions again. This is will be tidy and well, not easy for my family, it's a lot better than the
4: alternatives. She says it'll be easy, but I think it'll be hard for us um, when, when she does, you know, take, take the drink and uh, the final rest, really, um, but I plan to be there.
9: 72 years old. I grew up uh, under the illusion that if I stayed physically fit and active and kept my weight down that you would always be okay and how could it possibly change? I was diagnosed with liver cancer about three years ago. About two months ago I got diagnosed as terminal and the oncologist said that times that you have one or two weeks or up to two months to live
10: When we first meet Harriet Scott in early June, she's determined to prove her cancer doctor wrong. She intends to die according to her own timetable. She's spent her whole life in the driver's seat, in control. She wants to die that way too.
9: I think was pretty calm about it. I was like, oh, okay. I need to prepare and get things ready and organize my affairs and... I think I had much less of a reaction than most people would.
10: Really? I mean, that the, yeah. the when Why?
9: I don't know. I can't explain it. Maybe I didn't anticipate it all along at this forward time.
10: Harriet, a wife, a mother, a self-described gym junkie, wants to die as she lived, not dependent on anyone, even if that means ending her own life.
9: My wish is that a natural death without a lot of pain. And if that's not possible, if I'm in a lot of pain that they're unable to relieve, then I want to think about doing something about that myself.
10: It's a position she's arrived at after witnessing her mother suffer.
9: I watched my mother die of bone cancer for six months in agony in the hospital. That was about 38 years ago. This was a woman with terminal bone cancer. It wasn't even coherent. She was comatose. But they didn't want to give her enough morphine that she would become addicted to the drugs. It was was a bizarre world then. And I don't want that to be my end.
10: It troubles Harriet deeply that in Canada, no one can assist her dying, even if that's what she wants.
9: I've thought about stockpiling medication, and where I might get this medication and that type of thing. Some might
10: argue that, that that's a pretty brave step to be contemplating that.
9: Really? I don't know. I wouldn't think it's brave. I think it's realistic. I think I've spoken with people who think it's a really cowardly thing to do. So it's, it's all over the map. Everyone has their own opinion on whether it's right or wrong. I, I don't want other people making that decision for me. I want to be in charge of my own decision making. I don't think anyone has the right to tell me what I can or can't do. Come in. Hello. Come on. Hi, Harriet. Hi. Hi, Lucien. Hi, nice to see you
11: Hi. guys. Nice to see you. It's been ages, you well, nice to see you. How are you feeling? Hi, As Harriet. friends drop by give me a hug.
10: to express affection or sorrow, Harriet refuses to deny her death or sweep it under the carpet.
9: They sent me the forms in November, and they sent me all the things to do, yeah. like cancelling your credit cards, your library cards. It's a shame, and, shame you have to um, do it all, though, have you? I'm writing, you my own, I'm writing my own a little bit. Oh, you must do.
8: I am. Nobody else will tell she it like you. Right, R- like R- R- Francis, what do said. we have
9: at the memorial? I said, Okay, give a damn yeah. while you have to go to Costco and buy something, I'm done with this.
8: So it's 31 oh, years that we've known yeah. each other, and we played so many tricks on you when some... we were exercising, oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> Her um, thoughts on death and dying are yeah. just so pragmatic. I think it's yeah. so foreign to yeah. our society. Yeah. It's just incredible. She talks yeah. about, like we had lunch two weeks ago, and she said, well, girls, I can't get together uh, next week because I'm going to attend to my cremation. And it's almost surreal. The whole thing is surreal to me. The only thing she fears is dying in pain. pain. Mm -hmm. The only Mm -hmm. thing she fears is dying in pain.
10: But a few weeks later, her pain is still manageable, and she's surpassed what she calls her best before date, when her oncologist predicted she would die. What comes after death, do you think?
9: Nothing. Nothing. I think it's just over. It's simply over. You've lived your life, and it's over. I don't think I'll have to pay for all the sins I've committed and all the bad things I've done. I think it's just over. It's my belief. She
10: does worry about her husband, Ron, who suffers from Parkinson's disease. But since her diagnosis is terminal, life for them has been peaceful, even
12: serene. It's been going on for... Two and a half years now, really. And so I think I did a lot of the grieving and it's kind of a nice time now. This last two months you know, it's living a borrowed time, but it's it's, it's really nice.
9: Ollie, sit.
10: As nice as it is, Harriet knows the law against assisted suicide. She's torn between savouring these last weeks and days or ending her own life while she's still physically capable.
9: And I need to do something while I can still do something physically without involving or including other people. I don't want to put anyone in that position. And that's not what I want. I want to live up until I absolutely can't anymore. I don't want to die when I'm having a good day, but because I feel I can do it physically, you know? I don't want it to have to come to that point. If I had the assurance of knowing that I'd have assistance...
12: And I, could wait. I wouldn't want to sneak around and uh, try to get drugs, say, or, you know, it would be nice. It would be a good thing if it were just, you were just able to call the doctor and and that was it, you know. I wouldn't look forward to doing that myself, but I
13: would do it.
9: I would never want to put him in that position. That's my dilemma.
10: Weeks later, that dilemma is no longer hypothetical. Harriet is exhausted. Her home care nurse is upping her painkillers.
9: Yeah, I'm on the fentanyl patch, and they've increased the dose on two occasions. The last increase was about a week ago, and they're talking about upping it again. It's in the back of my mind that if I have to do it, I will. That's what I'll do if I begin to have uncontrollable pain then that's what I'll do. I'm determined for that. I don't want to suffer. I don't have that kind of courage.
10: But before she can make that decision, choice will be taken out of her hands. Weeks later, she wakes up in the middle of the night, screaming from pain in her belly. She's rushed to intensive care. Her husband and sister-in-law Peggy, a retired nurse, have been at her side ever since.
8: She's expressed to me that she could probably get some uh, uh, sedative of some kind, like Nebutal, and, and end it. And uh, that people shouldn't have to, you know, go through that sort of thing is what she was indicating. But to hear Harriet get to that point, I knew how bad the pain was. And that saddened me to think that she had to have that much pain. As you can see it sounds to me. Um, if you want pain medication at three hours, I can give you some more. Okay. How's your pain right now? Like the
10: Fortunately or? Harriet has an informed advocate yeah. in Peggy, and yeah. pain relief is readily yeah. available.
8: Well I'll definitely leave Ten a note options. for the nurse tonight that even if you're sleeping to yeah. give you the
13: the pain
7: medication.
10: but any chance of dying at home or in a hospice is slipping away. So how does it feel to be here now in the hospital?
9: It's a little scary. I wanted more time. It's all about this thing is happening too quickly, and I haven't gotten everything done. You know, it was a bit... I couldn't say angry. It was a bit annoyed. It wasn't happening according to my plan. It was a bit scary. Thinking, well, is this really, really going to be the end? I always thought I'd be a bit scared at the end. still
7: tired. Yeah. Do you feel tired.
9: It's a long night.
10: Today, doctors will decide whether one last procedure may buy Harriet some time. Enough time for her son, who lives in Europe, to get home.
8: She's very focused, she's very independent. And she might be the rudder in the relationship right now. So it's hard. Because my brother is ill too. So we all will have to really be there for him as well. And, you know, this is a an emotional day because it's a decision-making day. So I've... Uh, Become the sister in law, not the nurse today.
10: A few nights later, Harriet calls me. Come to the hospital, she says, to film what may be a final scene.
11: Hey Harriet.
10: How are you doing? doing? I'm good, I'm good. good. She's in palliative care and losing blood. If we don't come back again, uh, what would you like people to know?
9: I'd like them to know that there are options and I would like them to vote for choice in British Columbia. I'd like them to vote for for the right to die with dignity, like they've done in four states in America and
10: as they're pushing through Quebec. Based on what has happened with you, with you, why why do you so strongly want that message?
9: I think it's important for people who come after me. It's a generational thing. I think it's going to be handed down, the attitudes. It's like the pro-choice thing. I think people come to accept after a while that people can make free choice and have free will. I've always been big on that.
13: Sorry.
10: Even now, Harriet's will, her need for control, is formidable. She won't call for her son, Adam, to make Sorry. the trip until he completes a course he's taking. Her will to live and cancer are squaring off. Cancer has the upper hand.
9: I don't want him to come and I'm unconscious. There's no point. It's, it's kind of a dance, because he wants to be here for the cremation for his father. So we have to kind of orchestrate everything together. You know, dying the cremation. He's going to do a playlist for the service. Keep him busy. He's good at that. Keep him occupied.
10: Just, we just do the best we can. Just a personal question.
11: Yeah.
10: Because at some point I'm going to be sitting with my mom. What, for, for when Adam comes, what, what do you, what do you want to share with him?
9: Just that so I love him, but he knows. I just want to hold him I want the physical contact. And maybe to talk a bit about the past, so he doesn't want to do that. I tend to keep wanting to apologize for bad parenting and the mistakes, but I just want to hug him and hold him and have him be my child for a little bit longer. And I'll help him know that we'll get through this. He will. That's all. <laughs>
11: Her last
10: hope, a blood transfusion.
9: Okay, here we go. Okay.
10: That may keep her alive long enough to see Adam. It's a long shot. But it works. Ten days later, Harriet's family gathers, including Adam. His course complete, arriving from Europe the very day Harriet had marked on her calendar. I will
9: come. When I saw the calendar, I felt such at peace, so at peace. My journey was complete, just happy, very happy. You're the best son in the
11: world.
10: In the end, finding the peaceful death she wanted didn't mean going it alone. One day later, Harriet dies, surrounded by family, listening to the music she loves. Harriet Scott died as she lived, on her terms, in her time, her life. A living lesson that having options doesn't always mean exercising them. Just give me choice, Harriet said. That was her plea. Duncan McHugh, CBC News, Vancouver.
2: Commerce City, Colorado. Hey Sean, thanks for calling.
12: Thank you, Tom. I was calling about the compassion and choices. Yes. My uh father uh in the seventies fell out of the back of a truck and, and smashed three bird bird race. And during a surgery, he was put in pain for the rest of his life. Oh my. He lived in that pain for thirty years, um, started his own company, um, Escorting Wide Loads. It failed under Reagan. Then uh he went to school, became a social worker uh patient got mad at him, and threw him out of his wheelchair, which ah. further aggravated his pain. Oh my, so for thirty years, this man and the last four years of his life were was in the sitting in the, in a lazy boy recliner, just watching t v playing on the internet, yeah smoking dope, and taking pain pills right and he Got so tired of it, he finally, mom was getting ready to go into a nursing home, so he finally decided he was going to take his own life. Now, I could get in trouble for this, but I provided him an old twenty-two that I had, because that's the only way it could be done. Yeah. And, you know, it just upsets me so greatly that he couldn't, you know, I could take my dog in and get better compassionate for putting him down than what happened to my father.
2: Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that story, Sean.
12: Well, it it needs to be out there, you know. I'm so glad for Brittany Maynard.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And thank you for sharing your story. I mean, this is uh, these are the horrible choices that Americans are are facing, and we should be able to face them with dignity, literally, and 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 with some self control, and and we should be able to leave in a way that doesn't make the kind of mess that that uh, so many other Techniques for suicide. Do, Sean. Thank you for your call. And uh, thank you
12: for letting me share
2: it. You're welcome. I I wish you the very best.
4: Has signed legislation into law indicating that people have the decision to end their life if they have a terminal illness. Now, this is physician assisted suicide. And as with any other state that has passed similar legislation, there are certain safeguards to ensure that the people who choose to end their lives. Uh, do so if they are terminally ill and it's proven by at least two other doctors. So uh, according to reports, it allows doctors to prescribe medication to end a patient's life if two doctors agree the person has only six months uh, to live and is mentally competent. Now, it's likely to take in- take in effect next year, okay? So it won't take effect until at least January of next year. And this was legislation that was inspired after a young woman by the name of Brittany Maynard uh, left california to go to oregon to take advantage of doctor assisted suicide she had a terminal illness it was an inoperable brain tumor and so she decided that she should have the right to take her own life and that's exactly what she did
14: to me this is a no-brainer this is the easiest question of all time do you believe in freedom or don't you believe in freedom if you don't bring religion into this there's almost no counter argument right So, now, if you say, hey, there should be safeguards, because I I don't want somebody saying, oh, yeah, I I thought they wanted assisted suicide, so I slipped a a couple of drugs into that thing, right? Mm -hmm. No, 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 of course, as many safeguards as you need to make sure that it's uh, reasonable and there's good regulation on it, obviously, right? But once you get past that obvious point, you know, what argument do you have other than my religion doesn't want you to do it, even if you're in, in my religion or not in my religion? Uh, I don't want you to do it because it's against my morals. Mm-hmm. That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> what do I care about your morals, right? So that's your business, not my business. I don't want to interfere with your morals, and you don't interfere with mine. But if you try to take away my liberty mm-hmm. to handle my body, my life the way that I want, and it doesn't get any more fundamental than this, right? So you're telling me whether you, I can live or not is not my decision? Right. It's your decision? That's absurd.
4: Yeah. And I mean, it's not like there are going to be ads out there, like the ads you see for prescription drugs, where doctors are like, are you feeling like you might be terminally ill? Ask your doctor and we'll assist you in suicide. Like, that's not going to work that way. These are people who are very, very sick. They're in excruciating pain. And now they have an option. And I think that's the most important part, that that option is there. And there there's a way for them to make a decision that's right for them. That's all I care about.
11: (laughs) Oh, oh, da Okay. About how
7: this will happen. medication. He has to drink within
9: 60 to 90 seconds. He drinks the medication, and that will put him in a coma within a matter of
7: minutes. And after that... We we'll wait for pre-
13: me to die.
9: Yeah, and we can never predict how long that will take.
7: Now, Roger, uh, I talked to the other woman in there and said this stuff tastes pretty nasty, and you could have some juice or something
11: in there and said to kind to take the taste out. We yeah, like have
8: yeah, cream so.
11: soda. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, I, I talked to. Do you want to get that ready
8: in case Roger comes yeah. in? Well, of is,
13: bring the goddamn glass, Roger, Roger.
7: Wait a minute. Before you take
9: it, I'm going to ask you these two questions again. Sure. <laughs> And, and I'm serious? You have the right to change your mind?
8: My mind's not changing. All
9: okay. right. And what will this medication do?
8: It will kill me and make me happy.
9: Okay. We can hand you the medication now, and we ask you to
8: drink it in 60 to 90 seconds. Okay. You don't have to gulp it. Just
9: take
11: it slowly. Okay.
9: It tastes good. Pretty bad that you have here a, a soft drink to chase it down with afterwards, but you cannot take this one. Do you have any final words you'd like to say to your family?
13: I thank you all for being here.
8: We love you. We love you, love you, Raj. We'll leave you alone. I thank the wisdom of the voters of the state of Oregon for allowing me the honor of doing myself in at my own volition to solve my own problems. So thank you all. We
13: you. love you.
11: Okay,
8: I don't really want to watch this part. To film. This well, here, just it's kind of too late now. You don't have to golf it, Roger. You can drink well, yeah, it slowly. Can somebody wipe my chin? Sure.
14: Tastes like wood.
12: <laughs> He's never been a director, so he wouldn't know what...
13: What wood is? I wouldn't know, know what
5: wood alcohol is. you
13: ready? No. Already. Let him do it here. Ah, it's coming. Ah, it's coming. For my head is hanging low.
14: I hear the gentle voices calling Old Black Joe,
13: I thank you all, particularly the team that prepared the medicine. Tell the next person that it
11: tastes woody, but it is not, it is not rejectable. It was
13: easy, folks, it was easy.
1: You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and aware of this injustice, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism tell your legislators to support medical aid in dying. Now, we talk a lot on this show about the importance of being able to make your own decisions about your body during your life, but just as important is being able to have options at the end of your life. Right now, Vermont, Washington, Oregon, and California are the only four states in the country that allow aid in dying as an authorized medical practice. But, as you heard today, the stories of Brittany Maynard and other brave people like her have paved the way for other states to follow suit in an astoundingly short amount of time. They are doing it with the help of organizations like Compassion and Choices, led by Barbara Combs Lee, and people like you, who believe individuals have the rights to make decisions about their own life and death. You can help keep the momentum started by Brittany and other activists going by visiting the Take Action page at CompassionAndChoices.org. There, you can join volunteer advocates and educators in your area, send a message to your state legislators to urge support of medical aid in dying, and download the Compassion and Choices legislative guidebook to share with your representative. Make fighting for medical aid in dying part of your theory of change by getting involved at CompassionAndChoices.org and other advocacy organizations like death with dignity.org and the Brittany Maynard Fund at Brittanyfund.org. The segment notes include all of the links to this information as well as additional resources. And as always, this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized under the activism tab at bestofthefeft.com. Leading up to this election, we want to give you the resources, knowledge, and inspiration to get involved and stay involved beyond November, because no matter who wins the presidency, As progressives, we always need to be prepared to fight for what is right. That's what keeps bending that arc of the moral universe towards justice. So if making sure your state allows people to make their own choices about how they die is important to you, then be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about supporting medical aid in dying via social media so that others in your network can get involved too.
6: Can you stand up and be counted There's a body in a crowd? Put your name on a petition with your signature so proud. Can you raise your voice so loud as you stand with head on bowed? Weather beating on your brow, demanding answers here and now. Cause that's how you make a difference in this fickle world of change.
0: As a nurse and a physician assistant and as an attorney, I work to expand choice and improve care at the end of life. In 1994, I was one of the authors of the Oregon Death with Dignity Act, and I've championed that ever since. Well, my life's work changed last year when a young woman named Brittany Menard joined our movement. In theological terms, I would call Brittany Menard a prophetic witness. That's a person with vision and deeply held values and beliefs who speaks about justice and mercy. Brittany did that. Brittany put in place a chain of events that led to passage of a death with dignity bill in the California legislature less than one year after she died. We had been trying to do that since 1991. But in September of 2012, Brittany's life was in full bloom. That's when she married Dan Diaz. They moved to a new home, and they started talking about a family. But she started having headaches, and the headaches got worse. During a holiday trip to the wine country, she had rapidly escalating pain. She had a crisis, went to the doctor, and she learned on New Year's Day 2014, that she had a brain tumor. But the doctors told her she might live as long as 10 years. So she opted for aggressive treatment, and she hoped that her surgery would add years to her life. This is Brittany's preoperative MRI, and you can see the tumor extending its tentacles into healthy tissue. Well, in a cruel, cruel stroke, The tumor actually got more aggressive after her surgery. And 70 days after surgery, doctors told her that they were upgrading her tumor to a grade 4 glioblastoma, the deadliest form of brain cancer. Brittany was terminally ill, and her tumor was so large, her doctors actually told her they were amazed she was able to walk and talk. What happened to Brittany happens to thousands of people every day. She learned she had cancer, and she learned it would kill her. And like those thousands, she felt shock and denial and grief, and she focused all her attention on addressing the disease, on curing her disease. But she was different from the thousands in her reaction when her disease, when her cancer did not respond to treatment and it continued to grow aggressively in spite of everything medicine could do. Brittany was brave enough to ask her doctors to tell her the truth. She wanted to know what this tumor would do to her before it killed her. And she learned about seizures and escalating headaches and loss of vision, and speech, and movement, and consciousness itself, perhaps for days or weeks before she died. Brittany vowed that the tumor was not going to do that to her. So she moved her family to Oregon, where aid in dying is an authorized medical practice, and she went through the process of becoming eligible to receive life-ending medication. Once she had the means for a peaceful death in hand, she decided to be an advocate. And she contacted my organization, Compassion and Choices, and asked us to help her raise her voice. We planned a campaign together. And this is the video clip that we posted on people.com first thing in the morning, October 6, 2014.
6: I don't wake up every day and look at it. <laughs> Um, it's in a safe spot and I know that it's there when I need it. I plan to be surrounded by my immediate family, which is my husband and my mother and my stepfather and my best friend who's also a physician um, and probably not much more people. Um, and I will die upstairs in my bedroom that I share with my husband, um, with my mother and my husband by my side. and peacefully with some music that I like in the background.
2: Between you know suffering or being allowed to decide when enough is enough, um, it just to me makes it provides a lot of relief and and um, comfort that okay that option is there if and when we decide and or she decides that you know, it's time.
6: I can't even tell you the amount of relief that it provides me to know that I don't have to die the way that it's been described to me that my brain tumor would take me on its
9: own.
2: Death with dignity allows um, for people who are in the uh, predicament of facing a lot of suffering that they can decide when enough is enough.
6: Since becoming ill, I have traveled and continued. My husband and I took a beautiful trip to Yellowstone. It was exquisite. And then I went with my best friend to Alaska and we went to Denali National Park and we went to uh, Seaward and Kenai Fjords and kayaked up to the glaciers. And then I met my mother um, in Juneau and we took this spectacular boat trip. Before I pass, I'm hoping to make it to the Grand Canyon, because I've never been. Um, And that's all I can do is set little goals like that, and all those things make every day worthwhile. My
3: hope now is that my daughter can live her life the way she wants to, that she can make the decisions that she wants to, that she can be who she is, which is this very autonomous, bright, um, well-read, well-traveled, a person who loves adventure.
6: I hope to enjoy however many days I have left on this beautiful earth and spend as much of it outside as I can, surrounded by those I love. I hope to pass in peace. The reason to consider life and what's of value is to make sure you're not missing out. Seize the day, what's important to you, what do you care about, what matters. Pursue that. Forget the rest.
0: Brittany wanted uh, to uh, impact the world, and indeed she did. By that afternoon, that video had been watched by 16 million people. We reached 54 million people on Facebook. By the time she died one month later, 100 million people worldwide knew who she was and she knew her cause. She wanted to impact public policy, and she was successful. Over 200 legislators from 25 states introduced Brittany death with dignity bills in their states. Now compare that with 2014, when there were four states in play. Four days before Brittany died, she talked with Governor Jerry Brown and asked him to support aid in dying so people in California who were dying wouldn't have to move to Oregon in order to achieve the peace of mind she did. I told Brittany after she was gone we would carry on her vision, we would be her good and faithful servants. Why was she so effective? Brittany provided that aha moment when people recognize an injustice. That too many people suffer needlessly in their death. People accept tests and treatments that increase their agony and do nothing to prolong their life. People suffer with breathlessness and pain that is unbearable. Or they are medicated into a stupor or delirium and can be that way for days or weeks. People wouldn't choose this if they knew about their treatment and their illness. People would make the same choices doctors make for themselves. Comfort care only when death is inevitable. If people had a truth in their treatment, they would make better choices. Brittany galvanized a movement that is much bigger than aid in dying. This is a consumer movement to transform the way Americans approach the end of life. Now, aid in dying is key to this movement simply because it demonstrates and establishes who is in charge, whose values and priorities really matter. Only one person's values and priorities really matter at the end of life, the person who is dying. But that's not what happens. Right now, and a medical-industrial imperative takes over and overwhelms the person's decision-making duties. Right now, the priorities of intensive medicine escalate, and people die in places and in ways they would not choose if they knew what was happening. Brittany energized a campaign for Aid and Dying, and Aid and Dying is the energy behind a campaign to transfer authority and power from providers to patients, so people can make decisions that are right for them. Because what do people want at the end of life? They want the things Brittany wanted, three things. They want to live well as long as possible. Brittany didn't stop living because she knew she was dying. She made a lovely home in Portland. She walked in the woods nearby. She continued to travel to nature's splendors. She did visit the Grand Canyon. Second, people want to show love. Brittany said, the thoughts that go through your mind when you know you have so little time left are the things you need to say to the people you love. And third, people want to be true to themselves. For Brittany, that meant not allowing her tumor to deprive her of every function of her mind and her body before she died. So when her seizures escalated, and when one left her unable to speak Dan's name, her husband's name, she decided it was time to take her medication while she could still do it herself, as the law requires in Oregon. When Brittany died, other voices continued her campaign. This is Jennifer Glass. She was 49 years old with lung cancer when she told the Senate, I am doing everything possible to extend my life. No one should have the right to prolong my death. This is Christy O'Donnell. Christy fought on two fronts. She testified and lobbied the legislature, and she's also asking the courts to give her doctors permission to write her a prescription for life-ending medication that she can take if the law is not in time for her. Well, if you ever doubted that one person could change the world, Brittany should disavow you of that belief. Brittany lived her values, she spoke her truth, and she gave us the hope that when death comes, it can come gently for you, and me, and the millions of people who will inevitably follow her. So, may it be so.
1: We just heard clips today from Tom Hartman interviewing Barbara Combs-Lee about Brittany Maynard and her impact on the Death with Dignity movement. The Young Turks reported on Brittany Maynard's death. The first of two clips from the documentary How to Die in Oregon was about the importance of being able to take control. The National, from the CBC, produced a story about Harriet Scott's death for their series Last Rights. Tom Hartman took a call from a listener who told the story of how his father took his own life in a state where it is illegal for him to have accepted assistance. The Young Turks reported on California passing the second death with dignity law in the country after Oregon. The second of two clips from the documentary How to Die in Oregon was the real-life footage of one Oregon resident very gratefully enacting his right to die at the time of his choosing. Our activism for today is in support of the efforts of Compassion and Choices, and finally we just heard a TED Talk from the president of that organization, Barbara Combs-Lee, titled The Brittany Effect, about how Brittany Maynard has helped transform the death with dignity movement. You can find links to each of these segments in the show notes for easy reference and sharing. And now we'll hear from you.
15: Hey, Jay. This is Rick from Scranton, Pennsylvania. I just finished listening to the episode on worker co-ops and uh, your discussion at the end about, um, you know, why people aren't calling in, uh, you know, for some of the other topics you have mentioned. I just wanted to mention um, my quick thoughts on that. I think, you know, maybe for some people they... You know, don't care as much after the elections, but I think for a lot of listeners, um, it's just it's such a broad subject that it's it's you know it's hard to find something in particular to call about, or maybe it's just such a small thing that uh, people don't feel as inclined to think that other people would want to listen, um, or maybe they just don't feel as passionate about certain items. Anyway, I, I'm just not sure that it necessarily means that you know what you're maybe afraid of that people just don't care after elections, and I certainly some people don't, but anyway, what I wanted to say was, I, I think it would be interesting maybe to have a discussion in regards to uh, in particular, I feel like liberals in general uh, have a hard time expressing to other people their beliefs uh, in how the country should be run or things should go forward uh, on certain issues, and kind of like a no real good party platform for liberals, per se, not that that's always a good thing, but there's certain issues, obviously, where I think everyone agrees. Uh, a lot of the social policies, I think, everyone's, you know, they would call themselves a liberal, would probably agree. Racism, obviously, is, is terrible. It's still happening and it's something we need to, you know, work on ending. Uh, I think some of the issues that we maybe follow a flat on, and I think it's just because they don't get talked about enough, are... Some of the other liberal issues, uh, you know, things we deal with, you know, income inequality, and and this this show on worker co-ops certainly is um, stepping in that direction, talking about stuff like that. But you know, I, I think something that might help, you know, people get excited about things is, is maybe trying to talk about what what sort of system do we want as a goal. You know, what what is a what is the end system if You know, if capitalism as it's running now is not working, what is the answer? Um, You know, what does that look like? You know, is that something we can even agree on? And I I just think that would be, you know, that and other type, you know, of issues. That was just the one I could pick up right now. But might be interesting to start a discussion on, you know, trying to see if we all agree on some of these things or, you know, having a discussion, maybe convincing people that thought one way. trying to find some sort of consensus. You know, it's hard to make any progress on lot of these issues unless we feel like we have a goal, you know, that we, we all sort of at least somewhat agree on um, for, you know, general direction that we think is, is the right direction. I feel like right now a lot of the discussion along those topics are you know, what is wrong with the system. And not as much goes into what is the answer, A, and then B, how do we get there and can we get there realistically using the methods we think we would want anyway, hope that made sense and uh, keep up the good work
13: thanks, bye Hello Jay, this is uh, Andrew in Fort Worth, Texas Uh, this is a cricket chirping to you happiness and what to do after the election, I've got three ideas, I hope you uh, can share them with your listeners First, stamp stampede, you had a show on this a while back. Stamp your bills, take them to the uh, merchants, local merchants and strike up conversations about getting money out of politics. This is good before and after the election and you'll need to work on it for 2018 and 2020. Second, black lives matter. Have conversations with your local police, neighbors and other people in your community. If you're white, so much the better. But uh, it doesn't matter who you are. We need to stand up, and we need to help our brothers and sisters of all races. Third, unusual, and perhaps, become a Fox Nation contributor. Fox Nation is a website sponsored by the Fox News Network. It accepts contributions from liberals and progressives, so long as you do the following thing. Always speak to the topic. Keep your response short. Deal in facts. Don't troll. This is going to the heart of a beast and stabbing away. Hope you share some of these ideas. I enjoy your show very much. Keep it up. Talk to you later.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make this show possible. Thanks to Amanda Hoffman for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, simply record a message at 202-999-3991. Now, this is the last... Uh, new episode before Climate Ride. Uh, By the time you hear this, I will actually already be somewhere in the woods of Acadia National Park getting ready for the ride. And therefore, the next episode, I want to warn you, will be a rerun, obviously. I'll be on the road, so that's just how these things go. And I have one last set of thank yous to everyone who has been chipping in these last few days before the ride starts. Cassandra, Robin, Aaron, Alexander, Findicio, J. Tyler, To Anonymous, Maddie, Joseph, Chris, Maury, Richard, Stacy, Diana, PeaceButtons.info, Eric, and Brett. All donated uh, just in the past few days. So huge thanks to all of that. Uh, As I said, there will be a rerun uh, coming out in the next episode. I certainly hope you enjoy that. And as for today's episode, if you've heard my commentary from the last uh, few episodes, it will not surprise you to know that uh, today's topic is certainly related to events in my own life, but I also want to mention that this has been on my to-do list for a long time, and so, you know, the events in my own life just brought it back to the top of my mind. I thought, I should really uh, tackle this one and get it out, uh, so that that's how today's episode happened, and... My bonus episode this week uh, for members only. If you've signed up for a membership recently or even a long time ago, you get access to the members only bonus content. And uh, the most recent one, I am looking back on... Some previous stories that I have told about Amanda's grandmother who passed away recently, and uh, you know, I, I I really enjoyed getting to know her over the past few years. By the time I was born, I only had one living grandparent remaining, and she died when I was about five years old, so I've grown up effectively without having had any grandparents, and so when I met Amanda's grandmother, and you know, she was in her 90s, but so sharp and so with it uh, that you, know, you could have a conversation as easily with her as a 30 year old, no problem at all. And so, you know, I was able to get to know her pretty well over the past few years and sort of adopted her as my own uh, sort of stand in grandparent. So over the years, I have had some interesting conversations with her, and those have been turned into bonus content shows starting you know, a couple of years ago. So in today's uh, bonus content, I I compiled a couple of those old stories and then added a new one uh, from more recently. So if you're a member, make sure you have access to that bonus content and go listen. If you would like to be a member, you can sign up at the Contribute tab at bestofleft.com. That is going to be it for today. And until I come back, hopefully alive from my 300-plus mile bike ride... Keep the comments coming in as always 202-999-3991. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Help us in our mission to aggregate and amplify the best progressive media by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter and sharing all of the great content we put out there. And for details on the show, it's...
2: How we get so
11: trained, we can't see past our own sad stories and wonder what we're missing. We can't see past our own sad stories and forget how to listen. We can't see past.